Welcome to Moving Markets. Keeping up with current market trends and navigating the ever-changing economic landscape can be challenging. Your host, J.R. Gondek, will share his insight and help you tackle these topics. J.R. is Managing Director and Partner of The Learner Group and co-author of Family Value at Risk. He leads investment research on the team and is responsible for shaping strategic policy. He works closely with families to promote intentional communication and drive collaboration between all generations to ensure a smooth transition of wealth. Come along for the ride and let's start navigating. Thank you everyone for joining our first episode of the crypto series of Moving Markets. I'm excited to have Megan Kowalski, Wealth Advisor with the team. And here we're looking to start a series of five initial conversations, very basic. We're all looking to learn together what crypto is, a lot of the terms, things to watch for, and really just start to educate all of us collectively as we think about what has happened and transpired and, and what's ahead. So with that, Megan, let's get started. All right. So I think we first wanted to dig into what is the goal of crypto? And I, I think originally when crypto was first created, it was the goal was to create a digital currency so that it could be decentralized um, and it could spread across all countries, all different governmental systems. So I think that was the original intent um, as well as we found something that we thought we really liked was it strives to do to money what the internet did with information. So it's trying to just continue to make it much more, much more freedom in the economic system, as well as secure, which we'll dig into a little bit later as well. As well as Megan, the, like the, I think a lot of the original was to eliminate conventional banking and just totally get rid of the old way we've, we've banked and mm -hmm. kind of all convert to crypto and, and this way. And that seemed to be one of the early goals of, of this as well. Exactly. And so if we dig a little bit into the history of crypto, um, so I think there's kind of different stories here, but uh, kind of the main one is the origination with Bitcoin around 2008, 2009. And so Bitcoin is a great one to start with because it kind of helps bridge off of what is crypto in general. And so with their coin, it has a limited number of coins out there. Each coin is developed as the blockchain is continued to be built. At this point in time, there's about 19 million coins that have already been generated. And there are, I think, 2 million left, so 21 total. And it's estimated that it will take until 2140 to get those final 10% of the coins, which is a lot. And so, Jared, you kind of want to dig into why is it going to take longer for that remaining amount? Well, if you just think it as it was the first tier appointment, 90% were, quote, easier than the last 10%. It's just the computing power required. And crypto has gotten maybe some criticism around the energy consumption to find and mine and such. And it just gets more complicated to solve the next Bitcoin. And you could just think if it took roughly a little over 10 years to get 90% and 130 years roughly or 120 years roughly ahead to get the last 10%, you could see 
how much extra computing power is required to do that. And that just continues to be the evolution. But it's also argued to be one of the strengths of the limited quantity of Bitcoin that you, you can't print in an unlimited amount because also during the 2008-9 period, at the time was in the middle of the financial crisis and a lot of central banks around the world were printing money. In, in theory, Bitcoin, you can't print more. There's a limited supply. And again, that's one of the, the, the historical reasons Bitcoin probably started a long time ago is, is that you can't print more. Right, which helps give it some of its argue that it has a value behind it with the limited quantity. Um, so along with that, and I think we'll, we'll dig a little bit deeper into the blockchain later with why it gets harder and why um, the mining takes longer to generate those coins. But in general, high level, how does crypto work? So crypto is, is a digital currency and it's now being used as an alternative payment and it's encrypted through these algorithms. So it feels like it's a safer means of commuting versus paper money. Whereas if you had $20 in your pocket and you lose it, it's gone, right? In theory with the blockchain and here, it's never gone. You can find it, it's, it's uh, safer and, and more secure. It's tracked and uh, a lot of those kinds of things, kind of the virtual accounting system of the blockchain is really kind of how it's working versus like I said, paper money, where if you happen to lose it or blows away, it's gone forever. Correct. So we, with the blockchain, everyone has a copy of the full chain. And that's where um, JR is alluding to that it's more transparent because everyone can see it. And that's what gives it its security. As for being lost, <laughs> I think this pairs well into um one of our next slides, which is some of the risks of crypto that we want to dig into. So while the blockchain will be there forever, a copy, let's say if, if someone were to take any of their crypto offline onto a flash drive or something, I, I'm sure we've all seen the news stories about someone losing their flash drive in, in landfill, and now it's worth X amount. So technically, if you lose your password or lose that, there is no replacing it. For many of these cryptos yeah and when you look at some of the, the the risk factors besides losing it is the aggravation factor it trades 24 7 it never turns off saturday morning sunday afternoons monday and it's all the time and it's still kind of the wild wild west on how it's beginning and evolving so it's very it can be very expensive compared to trading a stock or other means of, of investing so there's no trading breakpoints so if you you buy one or a thousand it's it's in general the same percentage cost of mm -hmm. things and it's these are some of the the things that likely change as it continues to evolve and technology gets better there'll be more competition more competition it'll bring down the transaction cost across the board right and Obviously, some of the risk factors are that it's not regulated. That's also, you know, what a lot of people would argue are the benefits, but it also is, is somewhat of a risk factor because if there is regulation that comes out eventually for this, it could change the market drastically. Obviously, we're not sure which way, one way or the other, because that is to come. So that's a pending risk. Um, another one that's kind of a, a pro and con is 
We've seen a lot of wealth be created very, very rapidly with cryptocurrencies. And so the risk of technically not having a toe in the water is, is somewhat there as well because the rest of the industry could be deflated technically if overnight crypto is able to increase the wealth by this amount, it's deflating everything else. So that's another thing to just kind of think about and be aware of. And when, when you think about that for more, Megan, the, the U.S. needs to get on top of regulating crypto and be aware of it because to, to your point, if a lot of money is overseas and, and not friendly countries that could create a lot, a lot of wealth. And to your point, if crypto in general continued to go up in value, that could be destructive and very controlling other, other parts of the world. So it's something to, to definitely watch for ahead. So something that pairs well with crypto is, I'm sure another word that everyone's heard is the metaverse in general. So to, to get to the metaverse, I think we first have to give a brief history of the internet. And um, this is often described as web one, two, and three. So web one was in the 90s era, and that was more when it was a read-only interface. So companies would come on and, and put out their information, and consumers would enter and just do a read-only format. So they were just digesting the information. Then Web2 came out in the 2000s, and that was thanks to most of the social media or the social um, websites where we could interact more. So it was more of a read-write format. We could put out information, put out pictures, um, put out comments. And so we were able to participate more on the internet in that way. Web3 is still under construction, um, and I think there's differing opinions as to what exactly the, the definition of Web3 is, but a great way to think about it is just the continued blurred lines of every day with technology. Um, so I, I think it's just participating more holistically um, and more personably in every day, but the, the lines between kind of the internet world and the real world are going to continue to be blurred and meshed together over time. And the metaverse has just been a continued hot topic of conversation really the last year, but even prior to that. And it's, it's just interesting to see what's most likely ahead in kind of the virtual world. And one, one of the hottest real estate markets, you, know, you think your local market, if you're in California or Florida or the suburbs right now, there's bidding wars. Well, the real estate being bought up in the metaverse is really probably the hottest market out there right now, which is crazy to think about it, but it's exactly what it sounds like. You buy a virtual building, an office building, a house, you name it, and these are going for real dollars. I think it's up to over 500 million of land sales in the metaverse in the last year. So it's not a small number anymore. Right. And the metaverse, um, so I think a nice way to think about it, if, if anyone has kids, it's Roblox. That's kind of a fun way to think about it. Um, as well as Bill Gates was quoted this, but I, I'm coining that I first thought of it was <laughs> global meetings may take place in the metaverse eventually. And obviously, you know, hindsight with this pandemic, that would help keep everyone safe. It would lower a lot of travel. Um, so, and just make everything again, much more free and approachable. So that's kind of where the metaverse comes in with crypto as well. And they pair nicely because they're both trying to make a lot of 
the internet and technology more decentralized and more global overall. And it's just crazy to think about, like there's already many casinos where people will walk around the metaverse and gamble with their cryptocurrency, to your point, interact, have conversations in the metaverse, do business in the metaverse. These are all things that are happening probably on a smaller scale today. But as we think the next five to 10 years, this is going to be much more normal to everyone. Yeah. And who knows, maybe first dates. <laughs> For all those singles out there will first take place in the metaverse. And then if you pass date number one, you meet in person. The, the future is yet to come. So let's dig a little bit deeper oh, Sorry, on crypto in general. So I know we kind of touched on um, blockchain already, but a, a nice way we like to think about it is a DNA strand. And every block that's added is another for another block of DNA that's added. Each block is unique, so none of them are the same. And they have what's called a hash, which is basically think of it as a code for the previous one, saying that's where it was built from, and then a code for itself. And then the next one will have this previous one and a code for itself. So that keeps it secure in that if any of the hashes come undone, the whole rest of the chain will come undone. So it's quickly seen if it's if something were to happen and everyone has a copy of the full blockchain. And when you look next to the, the coins, I mean, that's the Bitcoin. There's now probably close to 9,000 different crypto coins that have been created, many of which do not have the limited supply. So you really have to be careful as you're understanding what's out there because it has grown rapidly and, and there are a lot of concerns around many of those uh, overall. But then the mining process is literally what it sounds. It's just virtual mining of solving the blockchain chain to create the next coin for, for each of the cryptocurrencies. And it's a big business overall, and it takes a lot of computing power. There's fees involved that generates revenue. So these are real dollars. It's, it's built up into very large and a real economic value around all of the creating of coins and the mining, and it's a big business now. And then when you look at NFTs, NFTs are non-fungible tokens that have really grown rapidly as well in the last year, which in effect verifies securities. It could be a, a sports card, it could be a ticket, it could be whatever that's out there. And these NFTs sit on the blockchain to verify those. And, and a lot of this is on the Ethereum network. Uh, as well. And then the wallet is is the virtual wallet. It's like your physical wallet that holds your, your cash, your credit cards, you name it. The virtual wallet is exactly similar where it holds your coins, your virtual money, your virtual assets, your NFTs, and other things. So these are, are terms that many of you listen may not have, be as familiar with, but these are, are terms that are going to become of, of mainstream language um, more and more. I mean, it's similar to the, the early 90s where what's a website, e-commerce, all these kinds of things that didn't exist 30 years ago that are all normal. Crypto and, and, and the blockchain are doing this again. All right. So what did we think about crypto a year ago? I think I'll take this one because I, I tend to be the skeptic. <laughs> but I think um, many of us, especially in the industry, were highly skeptical especially because the industry in general is wholly unregulated. 
um, it's, it's hard to kind of take a lot of that seriously. So I think with that, and then some of the risk factors we touched on earlier with it being able to trade 24 seven, no break points and, and different things like that. I, I think that's probably where our headset, our, our mindset was about a year ago. And a lot's changed in the last year. Cause I think you're right on Megan. That was most people's point of view. It was just kind of gambling or not really of, of real use overall. In the last year, I think a lot of people have seen some of the practical uses unfold, and it's it's really one of these where technology forces the hand of governments, where it got as large as over three trillion last year. So it's not a small amount collectively. It's obviously very volatile and has, has fallen dramatically from those those high levels. But when you look at at today, as people could see more of the practical uses, more people are willing to adopt. And that seems to be more of the conversation today. How do I, how do I think about investing or educating myself is more of the mindset. Whereas a year ago, most people just didn't even want to engage a conversation. And uh, I think it's interesting how quickly things have changed in the last year. Well, what's ahead? So look, looking ahead again, sort of as the government catches up to a lot of technologies, you know, worldwide, really. It's just a matter of it's gotten to be so large and it's such a big market now overall that you'd expect some form of, of regulation to start this year, you know, and, and sort of an adoption. You're seeing signs of it from regulatory bodies. <clears throat> you have seen a few countries around the world like El Salvador adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. So there's just other things. See, so I think... Looking in 2022, you'd, you'd likely see more momentum to kind of adopt this, whether it's Wall Street, you know, Main Street probably has done more of that than, than Wall Street, and then just kind of do what government should do, protect all of us from the fraud or the, the scams or other things that are out there and really get a sense to control this uh, as it continues to evolve. So with that, we want to thank you for joining our first episode of the crypto series as we all collectively learn about this together. On our next episode, David Sokolowski, Wealth Advisor, Head of Financial Planning, will be discussing in more detail wallets and exchanges and where crypto is traded. So with that, thanks for tuning in. The Learner Group is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The Learner Group and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the Learner Group and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.